the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Wednesday, September the 2nd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 2, 1963, Alabama Governor George Wallace, he prevented the integration of Tuskegee High School, put a circle of state troopers all the way around the school, wouldn't let, wouldn't let anything happen. He became infamous for that and other statements that he made. Today in 1666, the Great Fire of London destroyed most of the city. And today in 1789, the U.S. Treasury Department was created. Alexander Hamilton would lead that department. Today in 1901, Vice President Teddy Roosevelt, he offered the advice, speak softly and carry a big stick. He was at the Minnesota State Fair. Today, in 1944, during World War II, Navy pilot Lieutenant George Herbert Walker Bush was shot down by Japanese forces. He completed was just completing a bombing run over the Bonin Islands. Bush was rescued by the crew of the submarine USS Finback. Two of his members, crew members, however, they died. That story was told often when George H.W. Bush was running for president and when he was vice president with Ronald Reagan as well. Today in 1963, the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite, they lengthened their newscast from 15 minutes to 30 minutes, became network television's first half-hour nightly newscast. Today in 1969, the birth of the Internet, two connected computers at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. 15-foot cable was connected, connected the two computers, and they passed data from one to the other. That was officially the birth of the Internet. I know Al Gore talked about it often and at length. No, he wasn't there. Today, in 1969, the first automatic teller machine, same day, ATM. It utilized a magnetic stripped card. It was open to the public at Chemical Bank in New York. It was called the DocuTeller, as opposed to the ATM. And today in 1993, the United States and Russia finally ended decades of competition in space by agreeing to a joint venture. They built the space station together. Interesting comment coming out of North Carolina. Appalachian State University students got this incredible <laughs> and frightening to many parents questionnaire. It's called, it's based around what they are calling, what the school now, they've been called to account by a lot of people, including a lot of parents. It's called the Moral Foundations. It's a questionnaire and it was intended to probe student opinion on some highly charged political statements. That's how they defined this. Students 
were asked to either strongly agree, agree, strongly disagree, or simply disagree. Some of the questions on this, and many, it was primarily directed toward these kinds of questions. Here's one of the questions. If a few of the worst Republican politicians were assassinated, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And they were supposed to strongly agree, agree, strongly disagree, or disagree. One of the other statements said conservatives are morally inferior to liberals. Another one said, I'm in favor of allowing the government to shut down right-wing Internet sites and blogs that promote nutty, hateful positions. Another one said political violence can be constructive when it serves the cause of social justice. You get, you get the trend here, and there is a trend. Well, parents got a hold of that, and they saw it, and some of the kids were outraged themselves over it. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a propaganda piece. It, it, isn't, it isn't a survey, clearly. So th- these parents started contacting the school, Appalachian State University, and at first the school didn't respond, and then they came back with this. The um, one of the leaders there at the school, I'm not sure what his position was. He was not a professor, but he's probably a spokesperson or something. Anyway, he said, quote, this was an, an assignment to show students how we need to respect and better understand individuals on both sides of the political aisle. And that, my friends, is where our taxpayers go, taxpayer money goes every day of our lives if you live in that state. And if you don't, they're doing some of the same kinds of things all across America. I cannot tell you, and I'm not going to get off on that today. We'll talk about that another time, and we have many times. But I am not a fan of public education. The concept was great. Noah Webster had a great idea when he founded this, one of our founding fathers. But I will tell you, it has gone so far from what Noah Webster had in mind that it is Noah Webster wouldn't even know what it was. He'd have to ask someone to explain to him what all these buildings were and these rooms and these people and this content and curriculum. It's either that kind of nonsense or they're showing little kids how to put condoms on cucumbers or whatever. But that's where public education has gone. And that's where, where we are today, and that's why we are where we are today. But like I said, we'll talk about that another time. Governor Jay Inslee, he surely isn't afraid. Now, he's not afraid to debate Lauren Culp, is he? He's acting like he is. Really, he is. He won't, he won't participate in a, in a debate with Culp because he said Culp won't wear a mask. Come on, Jay. Jay is, um, he always wears his mask to the press conferences, and then when he talks to the microphone, he takes it off. It's not about a mask, but that's what he's saying. He's saying he just won't do it, or but he's offering an alternative. Lauren Culp says, the guy from Republic, that nobody or a lot of people hadn't heard of before, a lot of people on this in, our, in my audience know who he is, but... Um, Anyway, Inslee should know who he is. Inslee has a history in central Washington, in Sela, as a matter of fact, as some of you know. But I don't know. Maybe he just feels like he's above all that, and it, he's bigger than that, and he doesn't have time. I don't know. But um, he, he's, he's really dragging his feet. He just doesn't really want to debate Lauren Culp, who is the Republican on, on the ticket in the November 
gubernatorial election. Anyway, he he's making all kinds of excuses. And um, in fact, at one news conference recently, Inslee, somebody asked him about why he took his mask off when he talked, and he said, I'm quoting him, he said, I only took mine off because of the First Amendment. I don't know for sure what that means, but I mean, <laughs> I, 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 that applies to all of us all the time. But anyway, the plan now is to have this debate, and but Inslee wants to stay at home, and he wants to be on Zoom, and he wants Culp to go to a, a studio somewhere. In, I, I think it's in Olympia at the, at the TVW studios. And then, I mean, who knows who will be standing beside off the camera at home. But that's what Inslee is advocating now. And Culp is saying, no. He said, I want it in real time. We, we need to be in, in, in the real life out here, and we can be in a room. And they're, they're saying that if, if Inslee will do this uh, debate, They'll put them 10 feet apart. They'll minimize the crew. No one will be closer than 10 feet to anyone else at any time under any circumstances. But he still won't do it. I don't know. We'll see how all that works out. There is a uh, there is a debate that's that's scheduled, sort of. I, I think it's to scheduled potentially for October 6, which is not that far away now. So we'll we'll see how that all works out. But I found it interesting. I found it very interesting that Jay Inslee would take that approach. I don't know. Maybe he just feels he's so far above, you know, anyone from the wrong side of the mountains. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. I know what he's doing, and I know what they've been saying to the people that are trying to organize this debate. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I was reading this morning, early this morning when I first got up. I was reading in the New Testament. In Colossians, 1st chapter 2, verse 10 and 15. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Of course, Paul is talking about Jesus. In, ver in chapter 1, verse 13, he writes, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. I read those three verses to you today simply to underscore the fact that Jesus Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he lives. He has done all of that that Paul wrote about and more. He has conquered the darkness and he has delivered us from the power of darkness. The darkness is out there, and we see it, and we're faced with its consequences, but he has delivered us from the power of that darkness. Not necessarily the darkness itself, it exists. Satan thrives in darkness. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Those are the contrasts that are being made. So we've been delivered from the power of the darkness. So we see the darkness around us. We see the depraved activities that are going on in our country today, in our cities, particularly out west, but not only here, elsewhere. We see all that. It's there. But Jesus Christ died on a cross 
went to the grave, was resurrected by the power of God to deliver us from the power of the darkness. So you can walk among all of the crises in your life and in our world, and you have been, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been delivered from the power of that darkness that we see on every hand. God is in control. Don't forget it. If you don't remember anything I say today on this program, and I hope you do, but if you don't, remember, you've been delivered. God is in control. Don't forget that. Write it down. Put it on the margin of your Bible. Whatever. But don't forget it. Okay? We need to remind ourselves often of those kinds of truths. We live in horrible, perilous times. I, I've been around a while, and some of you have been as well, and when you think you've seen it all, you just haven't. Now they're calling Washington, D.C., the mayor and the city council is calling for the removal of the Washington Monument, that big obelisk that goes up, what is it, 585 feet tall or whatever it is. I mean, they want it removed because it suggests grievances of ethnic races in the past. What they're saying is blacks are offended by it. I don't know if they are or not, but that's what they're saying in Washington, D.C. They they want the Washington Monument removed and the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial. It never ends. In fact, I saw a news article this morning. I didn't read it. I just didn't care that much, but it caught my attention. The headline, Elvis Presley's house in Memphis, Tennessee, was defaced last night. Somebody went in there and wrote Black Lives Matter all over his that, that house that he used to live in that was kind of popularized, and I think it's still in some movies and stuff. I mean, what drives these people as far as targets? I mean, just anything, I guess. I don't know what Elvis Presley has to do. I don't think he... He wasn't racist, was he? I mean, I don't know. I didn't know Elvis Presley, but I didn't see that. I saw a lot of flaws in Elvis Presley, but I didn't see that as one of them. But apparently somebody thinks he was a racist, so they're in there painting on his house. He's been dead for how many years? It doesn't matter whether you're Elvis Presley or George Washington. They're just trying to destroy history, and that's what's going on in our nation today because if they can destroy history... They can destroy our identity as a nation. And I want to talk to you for a moment about that. Joe Biden made an interesting comment the other day. He said to the press and to the country, he said, quote, do I look like a radical socialist? (laughs) America's losing its identity. And we're losing it in the cesspool of identity politics. And that's what's driving much of this on the streets today, that in a the spiritual darkness that I spoke about, that you've been delivered from. Biden and his progressive associates are pushing the country backwards toward a complete identity crisis. They conflate nationalism with white nationalism while they kneel before the Black Lives Matter altar. A foundation that has more to do with cultural Marxism, transgenderism, and destroying America's foundation than it has about black lives. I've talked about it on this program in depth about what that foundation actually does and believes, 
out of the out of the mouth of their founders. And we'll talk about it again. I'm not going to get into that today, but when you read their creed and millions of dollars are flowing into that Black Black Lives Foundation. And when you read their creed, it's about transgenderism, it's about homosexuality, it's a, it's about abortion, it's about everything but black lives. People have been so deluded and deceived that Joe Biden feels the need to stand in front of America and kneel on a I wrote an article about this today and I have a picture of him on his knees on the street. Uh, it's pathetic, but that's what it's about. And that's what's driving this is we're confused. We don't even know who we are. And you can't know who you are truly. I know I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to say this, but I believe it with all my heart. You can't know who you are. You can't know your true identity until you find it in the person of Jesus Christ. And I believe that truth impacts a nation as well, particularly our nation. And we've lost our identity or we're losing it. And that should be concerning to all of us. And I believe it is. We're all in search of an identity. These people that are running the streets and throwing rocks, and they look like it looks like the Middle East at the time of Jesus. I mean, it's it's bizarre. They're running and throwing rocks. I, I mean, we, we see that in the Middle East today, but whoever thought we'd see it in America? Now it's becoming almost commonplace. And all of these people on the left, the progressives, have stood by quietly and sort of blessed this whole thing because they thought it would destroy Trump. Now it has turned to where now the polls are showing that people are saying Donald Trump stands against this, and you guys are standing there it at least silently giving your blessing and in many cases cheering them on. I've quoted it more times than I should have or wish I would have, but I've got to say it again. Jenny Durkin, pretty mayor of Seattle, pretty much pretty much defined the mood or the ideology of the left in America when she stood and looked at Chop, that became Chaz on Capitol Hill, and she looked at that and she said, a summer of love. <laughs> yeah, right. But all of a sudden, their political fortunes are turning now, and they're scurrying out to denounce, denounce, denounce. We can't have this. We oppose all violence. Well, why didn't they oppose it 90 days ago? Because politically, they didn't think they had to. And that's that's the the kind of reaction, the kind of response that we should expect from people who truly don't know who they are. They've lost their identity. I want to talk to you a little bit about identity this morning, but I also want to thank you for your support of this ministry. I, um, we need your support. These are not, these are difficult times, and I'm asking you to stand with me, and some of you are, and many of you are, and I thank you for that. Uh, many of you are doing what, you, what you're able to do, what you feel God wants you to do, and I want to publicly thank you. No, I'm not going to read your names, but thank you so much. To those of you who believe in what we're doing, you think it's worthwhile, that it's valuable, has value, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider stepping up and standing with us financially. We need your help. You can send a check to Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. 
or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. First thing that will come up will be the article that I've written that particular day. Today it's about Joe Biden's identity. You'll see that, and you can look up, and there's a tab there that says Donate. You can just click on it and follow the prompts, and it's easy. Thank you so much. And your encouraging words. But kneeling, kneeling to Black Lives Matter to show America his worthiness as president. Biden is asking, do I look like a radical socialist? The rest of that sentence was with a soft spot for rioters. Actually, I would ask Joe, does Bernie Sanders look like a radical socialist? And yes, Joe, you do kind of look like you have a soft spot for the rioters, but I don't think it's empathy so much as it's political. Your actions have shown that and the actions of many others. Because you and the far left you now represent have stood by silently and watched rioters burn and loot and kill in the streets of our cities, only raising your voice to blame Trump as the press turned on, turned their camera on you. And you do look like you have a soft spot for rioters if they'll vote for you. And about that soft spot, let's talk about that for a moment. In the same article, Biden said, you know me, you know my heart, you know my family's story. Well, yeah, he tells his story often, and the press told the party didn't want you to know about his son Hunter taking over a billion dollars in loan guarantees out of China, and only Biden himself probably knows how much money out of the Ukraine. We know that part of the story, too, but we do know Joe Biden's story. He tells it often. He's proud of it. Spent his whole life in Congress. There should never be lifelong politicians. We should have term limits. But that's part of his story. Earlier this year, he emerged as a banner carrier for the Democrats. When he did, the oracle of the far left, the Washington Post, they hastened out with a major story, a featured story. Right after Biden, it became apparent that Biden would become the next nominee or would be the nominee of the Democrats and we're sure we can beat Trump so he'll become the next president of the United States. The Washington Post got a little concerned that people would think that he wasn't far enough left. So they came out with this story, a feature story. I reread it. I remembered it, but I reread it before I wrote that and I included that in some of what I've written today. The Post said it's not wrong that Biden has in the past embraced positions the left today would see as unacceptable. <laughs> They're defending his past, his story. But it's also true, the Washington Post says, in almost every instance, he has moved along with the shifting consensus in his own party and finally led on that consensus. The message to the far left was, don't worry, Biden makes all his decisions based on political expedience, not fixed core values. He belie believes in living, dynamic, changing, fluid principles and values. The Post then summarizes, it's a long story, but the Post then summarizes Biden's shifting, they call it evolving, core values. They admit that Joe Biden was once centrist to nearly most conservatives, at least, on the issues like abortion and so-called same-sex marriage. The paper reassures the left that he's no longer like that. He's changed. He's a changed man. He's a transformed man because he's fluid on his beliefs. 
The Post carefully chronicles Biden's journey from believing in 1974 that Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided, and he did. He said it often. Biden has... Biden has talked often to the press. He loves his encounters with the press, and most politicians do, I suppose. But he doubted, he said in 1974, that a woman had a sole say over her own body. He said that is a living person in that mother. That was 1974. The Washington Post is assuring everybody in America, no, 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 he, that was then. He doesn't believe that now. He's evolved. He even ad- uh, denounced the Hyde Amendment, which... He supported all these years, but when it became apparent that he was going to become the nominee for the Democratic Party to be the next president of the United States, he began denouncing the Hyde Amendment, which simply is an amendment that says the government can't use taxpayer money to pay for abortion. All of his life he's been opposed to it, but no, not now. Not now. We have an important election coming up. We can't afford to believe that kind of thing. The paper reminds the left that by the time he launched his 2020 campaign, he had strongly denounced Hyde. He had strongly assured everyone that he supports Roe. And don't forget, the Post reminded toward the end of their story, he's the man that pummeled, that's their word, the Robert Bork nomination to the Supreme Court because Robert Bork was pro-life. You sit back, you take a deep breath, you take a step back, and you say, how, how do we get to this place? The Post says he went from the heinous, confusing, don't ask, don't tell, 1993, to supporting the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, ENDA, which bans discrimination against the basis of sexual orientation. They said, don't worry about this man. He is totally transformed. He's not the Joe Biden you knew for all those years. He's a different Joe Biden now, and he is, according to what he says. Understandably, we all change our minds as we get more information, but do we change our core values? Do our core values come and go like the ebbing tide and flow of the ocean on the beach? The Post concludes that a president who evolves is a welcome change, as opposed to Trump, who seems to hold his old beliefs. Well, I don't know. The Post declares... And I'm quoting them, Joe transformed the vice presidency. Whom will he pick to follow his lead? Well, we know who he picked. That is that is the devolving experience of a person who don't know who they are, a person who have lost their identity. I've written more on this subject about nationalism versus white nationalism. I would encourage you to read it. Go to faithandfreedom.us and you'll see the article there today. But what I do is I outline, just it's a brief outline, and I don't have time to get into it today on this program, but in the brief outline, I talk about the difference between white nationalism. When Donald Trump first said, started talking about nationalism about and tying it to patriotism and talking about how we, sh- we need to have a renewed, much like Ronald Reagan did, not nearly as, as articulate as Reagan, but some of the same ideas and principles. And Trump started talking about how we need to be patriotic, we need to believe in America, we need to make America great again, and all this kind of thing. Immediately the press began identifying that not as nationalism, but as white nationalism. They're worlds apart, they don't mean the same thing at all. They're very, very different. So I would encourage you to read 
what I wrote about that. It isn't long, but I think it's pretty informative, and I think it'll be helpful. It's at faithandfreedom.us. And let me again say thank you for joining me today and every day. We're on live. We originate live. We'll see you right here tomorrow.